Hi, my name is Jordan Foxwell, and I'm the new kids pastor here at Springbrook. So I have the privilege to read our scripture for today. It comes from Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it is given light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love a new year. It is a set date in my calendar and in everyone's, um, but particularly for me, it's a time in which I go to God and I ask for a word for the new year. Uh, typically, I ask him for some kind of revelation for what he might be doing with me in this year. An example of this is two years ago in 2019. In my prayer time before the new year, I realized I was missing a ton of opportunities that, come, that, that was coming my way in 2018 because I just believed myself to not have enough knowledge or to not, to have, not, not to have the capability to do things. And so I had a bad identity of myself. So I went and sat with the Lord and listened to the Lord, and the Lord gave me a motto for 2019. Here's the deal. This will not be plastered on any type of motivational message at all, I promise you, but it worked for me. And that motto of 2019 was, eh, why not? I know, riveting, right? It's go for it, man, like really pumps most people up, right? But, but it helped me uh, because it took me through a year of up and downs at our Knoxville church. Um, and then me accepting the job at Springbrook and then marrying my wife. But let me make it clear real quick in saying that um, marrying my wife was not an why not moment. Um, it was a heck yeah moment. Um, I love my wife. So let me be clear. It was not an eh, why not moment. It was, it was heck yeah. Um, um, and, so, and so in that new year, God gave me that small slogan. And what that did, it helped me get past what I thought about myself and enter into situations I normally would not believe that I could do. And in that, it helped settle my identity of who I am, a person loved by God. Uh, last, uh, last year, at the end of the year, I preached an Advent sermon on love, on identifying by, being identified by God's love, that I am one who is loved by God. And, we were, and when we divorce ourselves from the love of God, things go awry in our life. We don't take the opportunities that we should. So today, in this new year, we are going after that false humility that keeps us from all that God has for us. Because if we are not in agreement with God's high opinion of ourselves, we will never receive what he has for us. When we don't receive the identity God speaks over us, we need to learn again to humble, all, humble ourselves because humility always agrees with what God says. So, as a, so I have a statement, and I want you to write down this statement because it's going to help you today, I promise. I want you to write this down and 
think about it with the Lord now or use it later in a devotional time. And I want you to finish this statement. And it's this. I can't come into everything God has for me until blank. Right? Let me say it again. I can't come into everything God has for me until. What's the answer for you? What's holding you back from entering everything that God has for you? Usually this question is answered in my life as until God breaks me. Until that sin I struggle with is put to death. Until I get really holy and am filled with the Holy Spirit. And the outworking of that mindset in my life is that I am someone that God has to crush so that I can be nothing and he can be everything. This is a view that has been taught to us in churches, and we do that by quoting John the Baptist, who Lindsay talked about last week. He says this, and you church kids know this, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. I want to declare today that in the church, we've had a false interpretation of what John was saying. It was messianic, okay, guys? It, 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 was, it, it was Jesus was on the scene, and we have normally preach that as, well, we need to get out of the way. And I'm going to declare that's not what God wants. God does not want less of you. God wants all of you. God is wanting you to see who you really are in him. And he does this by introducing us to impossible situations. Here are a few examples. To Abraham, God says you are a father of many nations. So a question for you guys. Is this God reducing Abraham or lifting Abraham up? I think it's lifting him up. To Jeremiah, God says, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Is that God reducing Jeremiah or lifting Jeremiah up? To Joshua, God says in Joshua chapter 4, verse 14, The Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of Joshua all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Is this God reducing Joshua or lifting Joshua up? And isn't this completely different than what we've been taught? Shouldn't it be Joshua who is glorifying God, exalting God and all of Israel? But yet we see God exalting Joshua. And to us, in in Matthew, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds deeds, and glorify God who is in heaven. Is this God reducing you or lifting you up? This is God lifting us up. You are the light of the world, and Jesus is not going to hide you under a bowl. Instead, he wants to raise you up so all can see your light. Jesus shares his glory by lifting us up so he and his Father will also be glorified. It's not either or with God's glory. 
It's both and. He gets glory and he shares it with you. He shares it with us. God's view of you is always higher than what you think it is. We need to stop thinking thoughts and praying prayers that is working against what God is trying to do with us and bring into our lives. We need to stop praying he must increase and we must decrease. It's God, you must increase, but I also must increase. Help me. Here's the deal. If you think God has to break you, then you will think everything that breaks you in life is from God. When sickness comes into your life, you will feel like God is trying to root out pride or some other sin. When you don't get the job you want, you feel like God is trying to break your impatience so that you can have patience. When tragedy hits your life, you will feel like God is punishing you and you won't be able to connect with God because you have divorced yourself from his love. Guys, God doesn't play cosmic games with us. Weighed in the balance games. We do. We play them. God never does. When tragedy comes, his love, favor, and faithfulness never changes. And you can't figure out how loved by God you are by looking at your worldly circumstances. His love and truth over your life exist no matter the circumstances. So when did we start thinking that when God calls us salt in life, but we disagree with him, that, we're worth, that our righteousness is worthless rags, that we're just servants and slaves, that that's humility. True humility is agreeing with what God says about us. In our lives, when we see all the unworthiness and the shame, the brokenness, the sin, the bad decisions, our background, the words that others have spoken over our lives, whatever it is, our eyes get stuck there without seeing who we really are. And we create a gospel which is self and sin-focused instead of God-focused. What do I mean by that? A self and sin-focused gospel focuses on sin and creates an identity around that. Have you ever heard the term sinner saved by grace? I get what people are saying with that, but they still identify with sin. And when your identity is based on sin, you wake up every day trying not to sin. So then sin becomes the focus of your life of faith. And the outworking of that is a continual cycle of not being able to overcome sinful habits because they have become your focus and they have become your identity. A God-focused gospel declares Romans 6, that we have been crucified, buried, and risen with Christ. The righteousness I lacked has been given to me in Christ Because of that righteousness, I am holy, blameless, and without fault in his sight. So then Jesus and his work is my focus, not me, not my performance. So my identity is settled in the finished work of Jesus. I was a sinner that Jesus saved by grace. Now I am a son or daughter of God. And that identity and focus will free you from sinful habits much more than a sin-focused gospel ever will. Now, I still have my habits and mindsets, guys, that I personally repent of. But sin does not dominate my life anymore. My connection with God dominates my life. This identity that I am a son of God, loved and without fault, in his sight, dominates my life. 
And don't sons and daughters have access and an, and an inheritance with their father? Um, growing up, my father owned a Dairy Queen. He owned a ton of restaurants. And he would pick me up from school and he would take me to the Dairy Queen. Um, and when we got there, it was after school, so there were cars lined around the building. There were people uh, standing in line and that line going out the door. Um, it was high traffic time and people were hungry. And of course, me as a kid coming out of school, I'm hungry. I want to eat. And so my father is the owner of the DQ, which is what we call it growing up. And, um, and after school, I would ask my father if I could get something to eat. And he would just say, go get it. And so I would go to the fry basket and get some fries, get like a slice of cheese and put on and make cheese fries. And in the midst of all this, all the people lined up are watching this little eight-year-old kid walk up, get in fries, cheese fries, and walk to the back. If they stayed long enough, they would see that kid come back, get him a dilly bar, put whipped cream on it, and go to the back. And, and I have to think, people that weren't locals had to be like, who is that kid? Like he's behind the counter, he's just moving freely and no one's asking any questions. Uh, but the locals knew that's Charlie's son. He's able just to come in freely. He has access. And in being my dad's son, I had access to an inheritance. In this case, calories, a lot of them. Um, I'm glad my body hides weight well uh, as a kid, um, but I tons of food. And what that means as sons and daughters in Christ is that we have an inheritance and a free access to it. Look at Ephesians 1 uh, verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. The tense here is past tense, meaning you have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It has already been given to you. It is already accessible to you. And it's not just some, it's not just some blessing, it's every blessing. There's nothing God has for you that you don't already have access to. And it's all located in Christ. Do you, do you remember the parable of the lost son? The father says to the elder son, everything I have is yours. This is true in Christ Jesus today. God desires that you move into this like any good father would wish for his children. But the problem is, and finish this sentence with me, I won't come into everything God has for me until, what is it? If I were to answer this for us today and what I think is the right answer, I won't come into everything God has for me until I just receive it. When we stop with not being capable and thinking we are unworthy, when we stop seeing ourselves as sinners or servants, but start seeing ourselves as saints and sons and daughters of a loving Father, will we finally be able to receive what God is wanting to bring into our lives and into our community? It takes an incredible humility to receive all that God has for us. It means we must stop trying to earn it. We can't look at it and say that we got it by our hard work, our determination, talent, skills, or obedience. We receive it by simply agreeing with who we are and receiving it according to God's grace, based not on our performance, but on Christ's performance. You know who you were 
you know the things that you have done. You know what in, in, in human wisdom, what you don't um, deserve from God. But that is who you were, not who you are now in Christ. And until you receive who God says you are, you're leaving blessing that can change our city, our work, your neighbor's lives, and your life off the table. You are leaving purposes and dreams God has over your life, but you can't receive them because you don't think of yourself as God says. All the while, God has more for us, guys, than we could ever imagine. He has more for Springbrook than we could ever imagine. How you view yourself determines how you enter your inheritance in Christ and the life of faith you live. Today, receive this identity God wants to give you, the identity that Lindsay talked about the week before. For some, you have had a full revelation of it listening to the sermon and listening to Lindsay last week. To others, you may need to take time with Jesus and allow him to align your heart with what he has to say about you. You may need to take trips to places that you feel unworthy, ask Jesus to go with you, and allow him to speak into that. I've done that before, and it's hard to go there with him. But he always affirms who I am in him, not what I was doing. One of the ways I commonly do this is I wake up early in the morning, I make some coffee, I go to my office where I have a big chair, I put on instrumental worship music, and I lean back. I invite the Holy Spirit, and I say to them, Holy Spirit, come and just do what I don't know how you do, but you do it. I want you to align my heart with what you think about me and with the heart of God. And I just take 15 minutes, I take 30, sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours, because I fall asleep in the presence of God. And God just does what he does, guys. He aligns my heart with his. One of the ways we're going to do that now is through communion.